Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the Eagles are now, wait for it, 9-1 and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 120. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts on the Eagles' truly impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys on the road and break down what this team will face this week with the visiting Chicago Bears. This week in Scouting Report, I want to look at the focal point of that Chicago offense, running back Jordan Howard. He will be the subject of scouting report and what I thought of him coming out of college. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I take your questions and break down those Dallas Cowboys in the loss against the Philadelphia Eagles at home this past Sunday night. It was a great game. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball this week on Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Very happy to be joined by a guy that needs no introduction. If you listen to this podcast, you're certainly aware of my good friend, Greg Cosell. Teased him earlier in the show. Greg, thanks again for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Uh, a really fun game to sit back and, and, and kind of relive yep. this morning watching through the tape because uh, it was a little bit of tale of two halves. We'll start on the offensive side where you got that opening drive. They go down, they score a touchdown, they get in the end zone. And then it was a little bit tough sledding uh, throughout most of the first quarter and then the second quarter. And then they just came out firing on all cylinders. Let's talk about the run game first because that was kind of the focus of our All-22 review piece that we did for Monday morning on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. What did you see from the run game? What were some of the things that stood out to you when you went back and rewatched the tape on Monday? Well, you know, it was really interesting to me, and this is one reason I enjoy, I enjoy watching tape. But, of course, we noticed it together during the game is they had a clearly defined approach as to how they wanted to attack the Cowboys' front with their run game. And – they, they know that a David Irving, for instance, who they really went after, is a very aggressive three technique who likes to get upfield. He's long. He's athletic. He can, he can disrupt offenses, and he's done that since he's been back this year. Absolutely. And they went after him with a lot of their run game concepts. You saw a lot of trap where a guard comes and gets him. You saw early in the game a wham where the tight end Brent Selleck got him. But they clearly went after David Irving in the run game, and a lot of their big runs came on trap. I mean, that was really a foundational run. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, that trap was every run, but it was clearly game-planned to do that and to go after the three-technique David Irving. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly one of the big advantages of this game was just what they were able to do with the trap run game. We've talked about that concept on the show in terms of what they're able to get out of it. And just a quick breeze breeze through, you're going to allow that defensive tackle upfield, like you mentioned. You're going to block him with an offensive lineman on the opposite side. Everyone on the play side, they're getting up to the second Second level. level. It's a quick-hitting run play. Running back stays squared in line of scrimmage. They can get downhill. If they hit that hole hard, it's going to be a big chunk of yards. Sure. Uh, we saw that on the Corey Clement touchdown run, yes. uh, a couple of other big plays and big gains in that game. And then uh, looking elsewhere, I mean, saw a lot of tackle over, some of the unbalanced line yep. looks with the pin-pull scheme. We saw that in this game numerous times. We saw some of the tackle power plays, the draw yes. plays where they're bringing the That was the Ajayi, uh, his long run, the 71-yarder, yeah. where they pulled a tackle pull inside, not outside, inside with Big V coming in, doing a really nice job getting Jalen Smith. 
So, yeah, their run game, it, it's multiple as it always is, but there were clearly defined principles in this game that you could see both watching the game and then on tape as to how they wanted to go about attacking that Cowboy front. Game number two with Jay Ajayi, was it about what you expected in terms of workload and how and usability? Yeah, because I think he's part of, of, a, of a group. And I think that the trade was made, and again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I think right now the trade was made for him to become a piece of, of a backfield. And Corey Clement, I think, has been kind of a, a, a pretty big factor here. Yeah. The way he's being used, and he's had some big runs. He's caught some big passes as well over the last number of weeks. And, uh, you know, we talked about him when he came out in the draft. I really liked him, uh, you know, not as a big-time number one foundation back. But I thought he was a draftable player, and he was not drafted. And I thought that he could absolutely play in the league. And how about, uh, just like we drew it up, Kenyon Barner getting the two of the big plays on right. the opening drive. That's right. What I loved about that, the, the first of all, the, the big catch down the sideline. Which first was of all, at a 13 personnel and yeah. an empty set. An empty set. And tell, tell us when you go empty out of 13, what are, what are the benefits of doing that? Well, normally what you're going to get is you're going to get zone coverage. Because when you go empty and force the defense to spread the field out of their base personnel, you're asking linebackers who are not used to playing in space from a coverage standpoint, in man-to-man, certainly. So you pretty much know you're going to get zone coverage. I would bet that that's a high percentage tendency for almost every team in the league if they're in uh, their base personnel defense versus empty, that they'll be in, in some form of zone coverage. And they got cover two. Yep. And uh, Carson made that throw in the outside void to Bonner, who made an unbelievable catch to get that second foot uh, down in bounds. It's not often that you see a quarterback make a hole throw to a, uh, to a running to back a running down back. the sideline, yep. which was, it was an yep. outstanding throw, like you said, an outstanding catch. Uh, and the very next play, they stay in 13 personnel, a little bit of a tighter well, formation Well, I think they wanted time. to get up to the line of scrimmage quickly because yeah. they didn't know if that would be challenged. Yeah, and, and, and Barter made a great cut, yeah. cutting off of Brent Selleck, yep. uh, who did a good job on Demarcus Lawrence on the backside of the zone run play, and, and they plunged into the end zone. Uh, really good job of, of just his running behind his pads, churning through contact yep. and getting into the end zone. Uh, so a really impressive uh, opening drive. Like we said, things didn't exactly go the Eagles' way. Moving forward after that, he's had some drop passes. You had uh, just a couple of missed blocks. Just guys not always on the same page. And Carson, I thought, missed a couple of things, Definitely too. Just in what he, he yep. didn't see some things, too. Yeah. But, you know, that happens. I mean, it's, you know, not every drive is going to be perfect, but they had five three and outs, if I'm not mistaken, five three so. and outs in a row. And uh, obviously, you and I were speaking at halftime that, hey, this game's not quite going the way we had hoped. And, uh, that changed, though. Yeah, it did change. And, and really the, the big thing, we, that's really when you saw the run game really kind of kick into effect was uh, they came out in the third quarter. That's where you saw Jay Ajayi's long run. You saw Legarrette Blunt bust a couple of runs. You saw Corey Clement bust a couple of runs. So they really kind of asserted themselves on the ground. But I'll tell you what, Greg, I was so impressed with Carson Wentz going back and watching the tape. Some of the throws that we saw him make in this game I thought were some of the best we've seen him make ever in his career. Uh, and you saw a lot of the traits on display yeah. that kind of make him who he is as a quarterback. And uh, I asked you this question, uh, and I told you I would ask you on the podcast, <laughs> what was your favorite throw well, from Carson this week? Because there were a few There candidates. were a few. There were a few. I thought um, it was on a drive, I think, that didn't end with anything, but when he hit uh, Alshon Jeffrey on a seam ball in the first half. It was my it, number one play. I it, agree. Was a, it was versus a cover three rotation because the, the deep safety started on the side of Jeffrey and then rotated to the deep middle. And 
that that's not an easy throw. I mean, it looked like Jeffrey was theoretically open. Yep. But that's one of those firm touch throws, and you really have to beat the corner that's coming from the outside in. And because Jeffrey got hit when he made the catch, yep. That was a pretty big time throw. The other one was the touchdown to Jeffrey. Ridiculous. Because that was two man coverage, and. When you play two-man coverage, your corners can undercut routes because they have help over the top. And certainly when you're in the red zone, you can do that because the space is confined. Yes. And two things really impressed me about the throw. Number one, that he turned it loose. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks who wouldn't turn that loose because Jordan Lewis did an excellent job of undercutting Alshon Jeffrey. And number two, the ball placement. Because because Lewis did such a good job, he had to put that ball out in front of Jeffrey. He couldn't just stick it between the one and the seven. He had to put it out in front. And he put it in the only place, really, that Jeffrey could catch that ball. I, I absolutely loved that throw. And probably from a pure throw standpoint, I would say that would be number one. Yeah. Uh, but I will say from the, from the overall play, and like you said, the play, overall consequence, it was a 22-yard play on second and four or something like that. Right. And it didn't lead to points, didn't I don't lead, believe. Yeah, I don't yeah. believe I believe you're right. But what I loved about that play too was and you could see this on the film, was that when they break the huddle, they come out in the three by one set, Zach Ertz is the X ISO, and you've got a corner over Zach Ertz. Right. And that was an immediate tell for for Carson well, that's Wentz. Zone. He tells he knows it's yeah. zone coverage. So he goes to his right and you could see him motion to Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, Hey, I need you guys to swap. Right. So he moves Alshon inside, Torrey goes outside. Alshon now a big body going down the seam against cover three. Carson knows what he's got. He keeps his eyes to his left side, holds the linebacker, holds the safety in the middle of the field, and then, like you said, making the throw to beat the outside corner right. as well. Right. So really kind of manipulating those two middle of the field defenders and making the throw, showing he, the willingness to make that throw in a tight spot. And he knew what he had because yeah. when he took the snap, he looked left. Yep. Because he knew what he had. That's big time. Yeah. That was a big time throw. Uh, so those are plays that were inside of structure, and right. then you see him make some plays outside of structure as well. And you, you look at that. The one uh, to Torrey Smith. The one to Torrey Smith, yep. absolutely. Then the, you look at the throw uh, that he made to Alshon Jeffrey on the one two-point conversion where uh, they're in an empty oh, set. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Empty set. David Irving gets immediate pressure yes. up, the, up the middle. Carson makes David Irving miss just in time for Demarcus Lawrence to be right in his face. Right. He makes Demarcus Lawrence miss. And he keeps his eyes downfield and nonchalantly uh, chucks the ball to Alshon Jeffrey for conversion. I think what we're saying is he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. He's, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And for people who know me through the podcast and other things, I'm not one to to usually say, wow, he's going to be great. You know, I just because I've seen a lot in my 38 years in NFL films and my 25 plus years now watching NFL coaching tape. Yep. Uh, But I think. Carson Wentz has a chance to be pretty special. And and by special, I'm not going to sit here and tell he's a first ballot Hall of Fame, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I think he's got a chance to be a top two, three quarterback in this league for, for a number of years. We had a question on our on our iTunes page. and it, Matt Esquire left the message, and he, he left it a couple weeks ago. And we didn't, answer, we didn't get a chance to answer it then, but I think it's a good time to answer it now. He said he asked if you and I could talk about the decisions that Carson makes at the line of scrimmage. And we talked about that play uh, to Alshon Jeffrey. We talked about right. the play to Kenyon Barner where he kind of understands, hey, you know what, we're going to go empty here against base personnel. We know that it's going to be zone coverage and just knowing where to go with the football. How impressive is that to see that from, from a guy at his age uh, to be able to make those kinds of decisions, make those kind of plays early in the down uh, at this well, point in his career? it's really impressive because the way I've heard a lot of the development of a quarterback spoken about by coaches 
is in your first year, you're basically just trying to get to the line of scrimmage and, and run the play that's called properly. Okay. In the second year, you're really getting a better f- overall feel for your own offense and where everybody is. The third year, you're really learning defenses. Then the fourth year, you're starting to put it all together. Yeah. That's the way it's often been explained to me by coaches with the growth of young quarterbacks. Clearly with Carson Wentz, it's been accelerated to the point where now – and, and again, we don't want to make it seem like he's Peyton Manning in his 10th year. Of course. But, but clearly you're seeing a quarterback with a great feel for his offense and a really quickly developing feel for defenses, what they look like, what they're trying to do. Because when, when you change play, first of all, you're not changing plays randomly. If he's at the line of scrimmage and he sees something, he's not then changing a play from 1,000 plays. Right. You know, He's probably given a play call that has a couple of options. That's the way it works. Sure. You know, he's not just randomly pulling out a play course, from right. nowhere. You know, the play call might have two or three options when he's given it, and you know, then he he goes to the line of scrimmage and sees that the the primary play call is not going to work against that given defense. Right. So he might yell kill. He might yell something. You know, every team has their own verbiage, but then he'll change it to something that. The other players know because it's part of the play call. Yeah, you know, so people have to understand that it's not he's not choosing from fifty other plays. Of course, no, <laughs> it's, and it's something that's been uh, you know talked about, rehearsed over right, the course of right. not just this week of practice and the game plan, but also over the summer, over the spring, and as they're installing the offense. But uh, you know, ta- hats off to the to the coaching staff oh. and obviously to the work ethic that that he has shown and, and the work that he's put in to get to where he is at this point in his career. It's it's just been it's been really fun to watch and. Honestly, you know, I wasn't expecting to see those kinds of throws when going back and watching right. the film. We saw that we watched the game. We said, "Wow, you know, like the the throw that he made to Alshon was outstanding, and the throw that he made to Torrey was, you know, was a big time play. Uh, the play the play that he made on the two point conversion was outstanding." But then you go and you watch it on film, yeah. and, you, and you just can't and, believe and, what. And look, the it'll happen where we see him make a throw, and and the defense gets him. I mean, you can go back to last year's Super Bowl where Tom Brady threw an interception to Alford for an eighty plus yard touchdown, and they got him. They baited him and they got him. Yep. It happens to the great ones. So it'll happen to Carson Wentz. But but overall, you're not seeing him when he's throwing the ball now and dro- when he's dropping back and throwing the ball, throwing where you say, where's he throwing that? You know, he, he's in command of what he's seeing. Second straight week or second straight game, I should say, where the Eagles uh, are facing a really dynamic defensive front. You know, you ha- we have the guy David Irving, who uh, is really just a physical marvel. You know, six seven, two hundred ninety pounds. The way he moves with his length. Demarcus Lawrence leads the NFL in sacks going into the week with eleven and a half. What do you think about this Eagles offensive line? The way they performed, especially in pass protection over the last few weeks. I think it's been really good because we haven't heard a lot of names mentioned. That's always good, and that's always good. And I think. I'll say this. I think Doug, Frank Reich, uh, John DiFilippo, uh, Stout, the line coach, they're doing an unbelievable job because so much has to do with the concepts and the design because there's a lot of quick game. There's a lot of five-step drop. Then they go shot play where you, you're doing max pro. And, in fact, that's probably where they've had the most problems in protection when they've tried to go shot play. Right, yep. But when you go quick game and, and five-step drop, that really helps your O-line. And, and that's critical. We talked about that when they beat Denver. You know, everybody talked about, oh, what a great job they did. You know, Elaine Johnson and Big V did. But they really weren't asked to protect for a long period of time because of the, the 
pass game approach. And I think they're doing a really, really good job with that. Yeah, I think you're really kind of seeing this scheme come together. And again, on a night where they weren't at their best, clearly for well, the not for the game. first half. For the for first sure. half, they were not at their best uh, to come away with a victory like that. I think it says a lot. And let's go to the defensive side yeah. where. A lot of really great takeaways from from that side of the ball as well. Uh, let's start first in the secondary, where you get the return of Ronald Darby. Yeah. He ends up leading the team in tackles. He gets the interception. He gets some pass breakup. He uh, played left corner. He put, yeah, which was interesting. Yeah. What, what do you make of the, of that? Do you think it was just more that you know Jalen Mills is really comfortable at left corner? Let's leave him there and and put Darby in a right corner. I, I mean, was, he played right corner. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about that. I maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know the reason. Sure, but. Um, I'm trying to remember Darby's days in uh, in Buffalo. Uh, From what I, I remember, he played, he played mostly left, left corner. Yeah, he, he played did. mostly left. He played mostly left corner because yeah. Gilmore played right corner when yep. they were together. Um, so hey, I mean, it's obviously something they talked about as a staff. They probably talked about with the players because they want them to be comfortable. So they felt okay with him at right corner and, and Mills at left corner. Yeah, and you got to see again uh, early in the drive. They early in the first drive, uh, Dallas goes at him. You know, they, they, you had the uh, the play in the flat to Des Bryant. Des Bryant, I think caught he caught eight passes. For I about don't sixty yards. I don't know yeah. that he broke a tackle in the game. Uh, and you see the pass break yeah. up down in the end, down in the in the end zone by Darby as well, going up and high pointing the football. Right. It's you know it was just good to see him kind of get back into the swing of things very early in the game. Consecutive snaps of cover zero in the red zone. That happens, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Like, they like their cover yeah. zero down in the red zone. They sure do. I think they called three of them in the game. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what struck me, and, and you kind of felt it during the game, but you certainly didn't know what the numbers were. And then watching the tape, it really hit me is there were no explosive chunk plays for the Dallas Cowboys in the past game. No. I mean, Dak Prescott's longest pass play was 19 yards to Williams, and that came when they were trailing 37-9 in the fourth quarter. So the Eagles did an unbelievable job from that standpoint because if you don't give up chunk plays in the pass game, it's really hard for the other team to score a lot of points. Yeah, they had that one drive. Was it the second quarter or the third quarter where I I, I want to say it was a 14-play, 15-play drive, but I don't, I don't I think they picked up. 50 yards or 60 yards. I mean, they, they were, it was dink and dunk. It was a run for four yards. Yep. It was a pass for three. It was a run for four. They were moving the chains. Right. But really, really struggled to pick up large chunks of yardage. Uh, and I think when you ultimately, when you look at the uh, this Eagles defense on the back end, I think they've done just an outstanding job. I agree. Uh, the safeties have been very, very good. Uh, you know, in terms of the run, they gave, they did give up some some plays on the run this week, a little bit uncharacteristic. Yeah, but we talked com- about that coming out. Of, yeah, coming out of the game, still number one against the run in the NFL. Yeah, but they also had a lot of plays. I mean, yeah, they gave up maybe three or four runs that we were kind of surprised, but they also had a lot of a, a run plays where they just shut it, shut it down cold right at the point of attack. Right. I mean. We were talking about this in, in my office today with the matchup crew that when you talk about run defense, and I know they're number one in the league, but is there a better tackle duo in run defense right now than Cox and Jernigan? And I know I see more tape of the league than you do, yeah. but they're, they're right there. I'm not sure there's a better duo than Cox and Jernigan in run defense right now in the NFL. Yeah, I, you saw a few examples of that on Sunday yeah. night for sure. Uh, let's talk about Derek Barnett. Because uh, you know we said I that, say this to you every week now when I come in. Yeah, it, it felt like after that that it was that Carolina game was really the yeah. game that kind of stood out to me as, man, he he really had his best game. I think he got a half a sack in the game, or maybe he got a full sack in the game. But that, the sack itself wasn't great. But just overall, you're starting to see him start to get it. And the, ever since that point, I really think he's just gotten better and better and better. 
Well, you know why I think he's really starting to get it? Because to be honest with you, and you and I agreed when we watched him at Tennessee, he actually looks to me even quicker and more explosive than he did in college. And that tells me that he's getting it and he's playing now just to his ability. And he, he also could be maturing physically because, you know, a lot of these guys, when they come out, they're not 25 years old. Right. And so he could be maturing physically. But, um, I mean, that pass rush that caused the fumble, that Bradham returned for a touchdown, the bend and flexibility he showed, he didn't do a lot of that in college. He wasn't that kind of pass rusher. Yeah. Um, so he's, I've been really, really impressed with him each and every week. Yeah, and I think, you're again, you're seeing the impact from Chris Long on the opposite side. I think yeah. he's had a very solid season. Oh, for sure. Uh, and everybody off the edge. You, know, you just see the hustle. You see the ability to play at the point of attack but in the run game, but then also play from the backside. Brandon Graham making plays in pursuit. Vinnie Curry giving effort in pursuit. Uh, just that whole defensive line I thought in Kendrick showed up, too. He did. I and agree. you know what? Say what you want, and we know we've talked Kendrick's as I'm sure the coaching staff and the organization has numerous times, but he adds some speed and juice to the defense because he can move. A couple of those blitzes. Yeah, he can yeah. move now. He did. He definitely. Uh, he definitely got after Dak on a couple of those plays and. Uh, just overall, the overall performance I thought was very, very good. It was really, uh, it was fun to go back and watch. Absolutely, to, to rewrite them uh, when I go back and write the recap of that game. So, uh, let's look to this this week's opponent, the Chicago Bears, a team that I don't think many of our listeners are completely uh, in tune with in terms of what they bring to the table. Uh, let's start offensively, where uh, you know they've got the number, the rookie number one pick. He was the number two overall number selection, old, I believe. Yeah, they so, traded to get uh, him. They traded up to get him in Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I've been. I've been pretty impressed watching him. The, uh, you, every week over the last couple especially, you're seeing a couple throws from him where you say, you know what, this guy, there's something there. What have your, been your overall thoughts, especially after studying so hard last yeah. year in oh, North yeah. Carolina, his first year as a yeah. starter? This, this really is his second year playing meaningful football Correct. since high school. So overall thoughts on Mr. Trubisky? He's very rookie-ish. <laughs> I mean, rookie-ish. he's very rookie-ish. Okay, he, I'll look that one up. Right, right. He um, – he makes some very good throws and some throws where you say, wow, that's that's a pretty big-time throw. He made a couple last week, but I've seen him make, make others. No question. Uh, but then there are other times where I think he doesn't really have a good feel in the pocket where I think he moves too soon, uh, which for guys who can move and, and make plays with their legs, that can be very common. I think there's other times where he doesn't turn it loose when it's there, and then you could see the very next play, and he'll turn it loose when you go, wow, why didn't he turn the one loose before? So he's been very inconsistent in a number of areas, and that's would probably be my definition of rookie-ish. Yep. Um, but you have to be careful about the fact that he can make plays with his legs because that's always a killer for a defense. If a guy, you know, if it's third and eight and you feel really good about where you stand offensively, and all of a sudden a guy runs for 11 yards, he can do that, and he's willing to do that, and he'll leave early at times to do that. Um he can throw on the run. They do a lot of boot with him because they he do. can throw on the run. Although I thought this past week he was not as accurate as he's been up to this point. Uh, he he was he was he struggled a bit with his his ball placement this past week against the Lions. Um, he did put them in position to win that game. Yes, he did. Yeah, which yes, was he impressive. Um, or to tie the game. Or to tie the game. Yes, yeah, yes, right. yes. Of course. Um, and yeah, and and the thing is, every once in a while he makes an an intermediate throw and puts some juice on it. I wouldn't say he has a big arm, but but he can make those intermediate throws with some velocity. Yep. Uh, yeah, you see the anticipation too, like you mentioned. At like times, where, at, at times, times. Where, you know, he pulls the trigger earlier, and you're like, man, that was that was pretty impressive. Oh no, he's. I mean, 
Last week, uh, he did that against uh, on, on a uh, in a cover two void, as you you might remember that play where he hit Inman in yeah. the outside void in cover two with great anticipation. Great yep. This week, he hit Inman on a dig with great anticipation as well. So you see some tra- you see some traits, Fran. That you know for sure. It's just there's an inconsistency to his game, which you would have to expect. Of course, yeah, and especially like I said, I mean he's he started 13 games in college. Correct. So, you know the guy's got a very little experience under his belt. Uh, so I, I would expect, honestly, uh, you know, this, this Eagles defense to try and mix some things up yeah. in terms of what they're doing from a coverage standpoint, and then obviously you want to get, get to them. Uh, this, this offensive line, I thought, has been pretty it's solid, been, especially considering the injuries they've had. They've had to shuffle guys in and out, especially in the interior. But I think you know, we have to start with the run game with this offense. That's Absolutely. where it starts. That's, I wanted to kind of wrap yeah. it up with that because the run game is the focal That's point. That's where it starts. And Jordan Howard is, for people who haven't seen him, you're not going to watch him and go, wow, that guy is something special. But he's so deceptive. He has great vision. He has great patience. He's the kind of back where you watch him run and you go, there's nothing there. And all of a sudden, you gain eight yards. That's the kind of back Jordan Howard is. And they're terrific running outside zone. It's not their only run, obviously. Yep. But it's a foundation run. And Howard has such a feel for outside zone. Great vision, as I said. Great patience. Has a great feel for when color shows outside of him cutting it back up inside. And like I said, all of a sudden he, he does that, doesn't look great doing it, and he's gained nine yards on second and five, and, he, and they move the chains. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of back he is. Yeah, very methodical guy. I'm going to break yeah. him down in the scouting report segment later. And I, I, he's one of those players when uh, I go back and read my college notes, I feel really good about yeah. how I kind of evaluated him because he's turned into a really solid player. I, sh- I shouldn't even say solid. He's turned into a, a good runner, and like you said, yeah. the feature player in that yeah. offense. And deceptively powerful. Not powerful in the sense that he bowls people over, but he finishes runs, right? He, and he does, you know, he doesn't go backwards. Yeah, and then <laughs> they, what they've done too is they complimented him now uh, with Tariq, Tariq Cohen, Cohen. The, the rookie mid-round pick. I believe he's a fourth-round selection out of North Carolina A and T, uh, out of the MIAC. He was extremely productive throughout his career. A really dynamic playmaker, a little bit undersized, but a guy that they use all around the formation in a number of different. They're ways. almost trying to use him the way the Chiefs used uh, Tyreek Hill a year ago, before they essentially made him a receiver. Yeah. The way they used Ty- Tyreek Hill in the backfield, detached. Um, and then it'll be interesting how the Eagles match up when Cohen and Howard are on the field together with two wide receivers. Will they treat Cohen as a back or a wide out? Yeah. Meaning, will they stay with their base or will they play nickel? Yeah, and he's a, in theory, you know, if you're going to say, oh, we'll put Malcolm Jenkins on him, I mean, that's, that's a tough, that's that's a tough a, cover. That's a tough cover. That's a tough cover yeah. for a guy like Malcolm. Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree. That is a that is so that that'll matchup. be one of the first things that Jim Schwartz decides is versus that personnel package when it's Cohen and Howard on the field together with two wide receivers and a tight end. Do they treat him as a back or as a wide receiver? They made a trade for uh, Dontrell Inman, the, who has Ooh. kind of been their go-to receiver and target. What, I, what are your thoughts on? on I Inman? always liked him in San Diego uh, when he played in the last couple of years. I thought he was a very refined route runner, not a burner, but you know, to me, in the right situation. Dontrell Inman can be a quality NFL wideout. You know, not a big-time number one. We're not talking Julio Jones here or DeAndre Hopkins, but I think he's a, a, a pretty nuanced route runner, understands how to use his vertical stem, understands how to set up corners at the top of his stem, and he, he can get open. He catches the football. Not he's their of, number one. Ab, exactly <laughs> right. And so he is, is in definition a number yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this defense, I don't think it's enough credit. Oh, God. I, no. I, I think you look at them and you look at their numbers. I want to say they're fourth in the league in sacks. They're number one in sacks on third down. 
they have so many different looks that they present offenses with, a lot of different fronts, different coverages, different ways that they'll try and get after the quarterback. Uh, overall thoughts watching this defense, this iteration, this year's version of Vic Fangio's scheme. Vic Fangio is so highly respected, and he's been doing this a long time, Fran, as you know, and he's really nuanced. He does a lot of different things in coverage. When you watch in coverage, in some ways he reminds me of Mike Zimmer in the sense that when you watch it, you don't come away going, wow, they do a lot of stuff, but it's very nuanced. Yep. And very often what you see before the ball is snapped is not exactly what you see after the ball is snapped. There's a lot of different hybrid looks where one side of the field might be one kind of coverage, the other side of the field is a different kind of coverage. Vic's really good at that. And then when it comes to pressure, you know, he's been a guy throughout his career that there have been some teams that he's, he's been coordinator of where he's blitzed a lot. Right. And then there's other teams he doesn't blitz quite as much. This Bear team right now, he's not blitzing a ton. He's blitzing more selectively, but he's very good at it. Yeah, and you look, they, they lose uh, the second-year first-round pick. Uh, Leonard Floyd, which is a shame because that kid is really talented. I know I was a big fan of Floyd yeah. coming out of Georgia like, last year. Uh, they lose him to an injury, but they still have a lot of really talented players. They do. That, that front three, and Mitch Unrain is a nice one, a solid player, but the two guys next to him with Eddie Goldman at nose tackle, who was turned into a much better player than I would have expected coming out of Florida State. He's turned into a, a really disruptive guy at the point of attack. And then uh, the other guy, who's probably the best player on defense, and I don't think I could probably Akeem take probably Hicks, out yeah. of that, is he, he is the best yeah, player on yeah. that defense. Uh, Akeem Hicks is so disruptive against the run in the past. He's been dominant at times this year. I mean, he's there, Fletcher Cox. Yeah. I don't think he's quite as good, but, but Akeem Hicks has played at a high level all season. He's a guy that can wreck your offense. I forget what one or two games it was throughout the course of this year. I just can't remember the specific opponent. But he wreck, he wrecks offenses at times. Yeah. And he can win one-on-one matchups. And they try to create one-on-ones for him, just like the Eagles do with Fletcher Cox. Yep. No, they definitely do in terms of their fronts and their, yep. and their different blitz concepts. Uh, they do try to create those one-on-one matchups for him. Uh, you look at the linebacker level, a lot of injuries. Yeah. You know, they've got some young guys there, the Nick Kwiatkowski, and with Danny Trevathan. Who's been, been a better player out. than I thought he would be when he came out of West Virginia. I would Virginia. agree because I felt the same way you did. And he's, I mean, look, we're not going to sit here and say he's Luke Keekley, but I think he's a pretty good player. I, he's, you know, he, he, he shows up on film. One guy who's, been, who's seen a lot of snaps, especially the last couple of weeks, is Christian Jones yep. uh, from Florida State. A Highly athletic. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to people about him, even on their coaching staff, who said, great athlete, takes him a while to pick up concepts, which is why he didn't jump right. You know, now he's probably in his fourth year or so. I think so. He, was an undrafted, he was undrafted out of, yeah, out of Florida yeah, State as well. But he was, I think he might have been the same year as Telvin Smith. I think so, yes. I think you're right. Yep. And he was really, Telvin Smith is a different build. He's yep. 220 pounds. Christian Jones is like 6'3", 245. Yeah, he played, he was a pass rusher. Yeah, for a lot and of he's career. athletic. Yeah. And now he's playing because Trevathan's out. And I don't know, is Trevathan Trevathan is back? He's got a calf injury. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's going to be able okay. to play. Because he hasn't practiced yet coming into the week. Okay. But, uh, uh, but Jones is, look, they, they basically start Jones and Kwiatkowski now as their, as their linebacker. They're nickel, and they, and they play in their, their base as well as their stacked linebackers. At left corner, Kyle Fuller, I think he, he's, yeah. he, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, you've watched them a lot more than I have. It seems like he's playing the best football of his career right now because I know I he's getting kind of banged up throughout. I the think he's of his a solid. You know, again, I think they have two solid corners yeah. because it's it's Fuller and it's Amukamara. Yep, who the Eagles fans are aware of. First time well, in New York, yep. well aware of, and um, they'll they'll put in Cooper, who's been around the league, and a Rutgers kid yep. who lo- has always looked the part. 
because he's tall, he's lanky, he's athletic, and I don't know what's missing in his game because he's on his fourth or fifth team. He's had moments where you look at him and say, wow, that kid should be a really good NFL corner, but he's on his fourth or fifth team. I always get like a little like uh, the hair stand up on the back of my neck whenever I hear about Marcus Cooper because when I was at Temple, he was a kid. He was actually a, uh, a receiver in Connecticut. I could see that. I could was, easily see that. He was he was a big time player in Connecticut high school. Yeah, and we had him committed at Temple, um, and he switched relatively late. I want to say it was late. Was in the he fall going to be coming year. to Temple as a receiver? Yeah, he was going to come to Temple as a receiver, okay. and we were pretty excited about him on the staff and. Uh, he ended up, you know, changing his commitment. Ended up going to Rutgers, and obviously now has turned into a corner. Um, He's going to have a ten-year career. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. there's not a lot of guys with his build and his movement they move as well as he does. He's just something's lacking. Yeah, he's. I, I still have bad feelings when I think because I loved his tape coming out of high school. Um, anyway, the safety position they've got uh, two interesting players there, and Adrian Amos, who was in his Penn second State. or third year out of Penn State, I think third. Yeah, he's, he's mostly a box player, but play in the slot. Does does a lot of different things. You know, for he played them. in the slot a lot at Penn State. That's what he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you've got Eddie Jackson, the rookie fourth round pick, who former corner. Can't understand why he went to the fourth round. I was yeah. in love with Eddie Jackson. Can't believe he fell that far, and he's turned into a pretty good he's player. A pretty for good them. player. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean they. They're not a bad, you know, it, it's again, not a bad team their record all. is such that people are probably thinking, oh, easy game. But they've been competitive in a lot of games. And uh, uh, this is not an easy game. Yeah. You know, are the Eagles better? Of, yes, of course. But they're coming off a big win on the road. There's three road games following this Bears home game. Yep. This is a game the Eagles need to win. I would have felt better about it if the Bears had found a way. If Trubisky had found a way to lead them on a game-winning right, right. drive and there was all the right. buzz about Trubisky, I would have felt a little bit better. Uh, this is one of those games, no Fran, when we sit and watch it together on Sunday, we're going to say, we just want to see the Eagles get out in front 14 nothing. Right. You know, because you don't want this game to be 17-13 in the middle of the third quarter. The way that the Eagles have played over the last month and a half, you would think that they probably won't be in that situation, but right. you never, again, you never know. it's the NFL. Uh, looking forward to watching this game. It'll be a very interesting one. A lot of interesting players on both sides of the ball. So, uh, Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here. As always, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, we will talk to you next week. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I am at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Bucky Love and to Yaya Ya, who both went on iTunes and rated the show and left comments saying how much they enjoy listening to the podcast. So thanks to both of you and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. I told you that we would break down running back Jordan Howard, the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Jordan Howard, six foot even, 230 pounds. He began his career at UAB before transferring to Indiana after they shut that program down, and he played in that spread offense for the Hoosiers, mostly out of one-back sets in the pistol or in the shotgun. 
really good feel for the zone run game in Indiana, you know, particularly the outside zone where he can find a cutback lane, stick his foot in the ground and get downhill. He had a good feel for setting up blocks in space and show the ability to work through traffic and get skinny or find a small crack in the defense. Physical ball carrier that despite not running behind his pads, I thought he ran a little bit high, has some power to him and he can run through arm tackles. He keeps running his feet through contact and he earns yards after contact. He's not afraid to use his arm as a weapon. Only had one fumble in the six games that I studied. Did a good job protecting the football and he was a reliable receiver out of the backfield, using the screen game, typically catches the ball clean, a solid blocker and pass pro can hold his own against a blitzing linebacker and will give help when needed against defensive linemen. I thought he was a really competitive kid, competitive as a runner. Like I said, will fight for every yard that he gets. So honestly, like I said earlier with Greg, I felt really good about my evaluation of this kid from a positive standpoint. I think everything I just said about him in Indiana really kind of carries through over to the Chicago Bears. Now, watching him some more and then looking back also at my notes, I wrote that he ran into blockers a little bit more than I'd like, and he did leave some meat on the bone because he wasn't super explosive. He did run high, like I mentioned, expose himself to some punishment consistently, didn't display that short area burst, that more of a one-speed guy that's not going to consistently pull away from defenders. I would say that that's still true. It's like Greg said, you're not going to watch him and say, wow, who is this kid? Uh, but overall, uh, I thought that this kid was a really competitive kid, and I wrote he's got the ability to be a feature back for a zone run team. Don't think he's got the athletic ability to be overly effective over a long period of time and that you're going to think of him as a Pro Bowl quality ball carrier, but he's got a feel for how to get downhill and set up blocks. That lack of speed will show up, but I do think that he's got the ability to be a long-time starter at the running back position, and like I said, that's kind of turned out to be the case. I think Jordan Howard has the ability to be that feature back for that team up until Mitch Trubisky really kind of hits his stride, if he hits his stride, as the signal caller for that offense. So great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and, of course, on the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, one more time, please take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. We answered the one from Matthew Esquire earlier in Chalk Talk. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.